good to have you guys here. I'm just marvelous. It seems like two o'clock has come, and uh, my pleasure to welcome you to this Thursday afternoon two o'clock session. Which of you have not been here yet this week? Brand new. For your sake, I'm going to have the delight to repeat the introduction. And you're doing very well for <laughs> that. The script works really well. <laughs> I actually met Europe at uh, in Oregon some several years ago when my wife and I worked in the Portland area, and he was down in the Salem area, I believe. And we would meet and interact, but never, uh, never realized that when I signed up to be the host for this one and saw his name there, I did not even recognize it. I didn't have a picture at that point. I'm. I'm visual. I got to learn from seeing things. And then when I saw him in the cafeteria up here, he came walking toward us. He knew my name already after all these years. And I had to think, now where is he from? I've been to <laughs> Minneapolis. I've been to <laughs> Phoenix. I've been Oregon. So it was a delight to reconnect again and with his wife, Linda, who is here with us as well. Urit is a multi-talented person. God um, gave birth to his to him in Jamaica, and uh, he spent time in Canada as well. That's where he met his wife, and then moved to the United States and was a, has been a pastor, retired pastor for over thirty years of pastoral ministry. Uh, prior to that, he was also a sales rem representative, I believe, in his college time. He has medical experience in the hospital setting as an inpatient care chaplain and psychiatric therapist. Wow, I wish I knew you then. <laughs> <laughs> and um, has written three books, colorful books on the outside, just like those beautiful pictures, the graphics. Those of you have been here before, aren't you impressed with the graphics? He does them, and he adapts them to the local setting so that you feel like this is just customized for us. He's, uh, since retirement, he's been a motivational speaker, both nationally, internationally, and his big purpose is to help people, especially Christians, to get along. If Christians get along, the world will be a different place if it was just Christians <laughs> who got along. So building positive relationships, and uh, there's a word that I'm not going to forget and that is the word kind, nice. I want that word to be a reality in my life. So I want to thank you. We have one more session tomorrow at 2 o'clock, and I want to invite you to perhaps uh, bring one of your s um, straddling friends who wants to go for a siesta, but bring them over here. They'll be thrilled. It's a joy to pray together. Let's bow our heads and ask God's blessing. Dear God in heaven, Thank you that you have planned it and carried out your plan for Hewitt and his dear wife, Linda, to be here with us this week. Thank you that you've put it in our hearts, each one to be here, Father, and what we have already learned and what we've considered and what your Holy Spirit has impressed upon our hearts, we believe, is so necessary for our lives, but for our churches, our homes as well. I pray, Lord, that we will not just recognize the the sense this makes, but recognize the ability you can give us to be this way. 
you can transform us. You can give us ideas on how to actually implement it in our churches and then to watch and see what miracles you do in our churches. So please, again today, may this time together be spirit-filled, spirit-blessed mm. as we submit to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Stars of my crown when at even in the sun galloped down when we wake with the blessed and the man chanteth rest well there be any stars in my crown. Have you heard that song before? Yeah. Only those who were born a hundred years ago. you get to heaven, will someone say, I'm here because of you? In your church, back home, is there anyone saying or who will say, I am here? Because of you. Again, welcome to building positive relationships. Welcome to Carolina Camp Meeting Rest Seminar. Rest Seminar is all about relationships. It's about how you affect my life and how I affect your life. It is all about the one in heaven who walk up to you and embraces you and say, thank you. It was because Rest Seminar is about the privilege, the joy that you and I have to be God's appointed babysitters to care for the saints in your church. It is about the privilege that you and I have to become the extension of God. It's like God said, go to that church Go to that city and take care of that child for me. Rest Seminar is all about becoming like Jesus. That has been our goal, still is. We conclude tomorrow 
and I hope we would have seen a different picture, a bigger picture, a real, live, earth-like picture of Jesus. Rest Seminar is about becoming like Jesus in the way we take care of one another. Just want to remind you of these words about him. He was never rude, never spoke more severely than necessary. He never hurt anyone. Not nice. Never hurt anyone. He did not scold people for their weaknesses. He told the truth, but how? Help me. Always how? Is that who you want to be? Say yes. Yeah, I do too. So badly. So, just to recap, in the previous times we've been together, we discovered that all of our conversation, all of our thoughts, all of our hearts was about being kind, nice. It's superlative. It's not just being kind. It's not just being nice. It's about being kind, nice. That's double. Double serving. And I prepared some titles for you. First session, we talked about relationship cemented in Christianity, which basically said we can never enjoy a Christianity without being in good relationship with the rest of the family in the church. Then we spoke later, next session, about Christianity caring Christianity is demonstrated in the way we see one another and we respect one another. And then yesterday afternoon at four o'clock we talked about encouragement. Remember we read the scripture at the very end where scripture says in these last days before Jesus comes please encourage one another. Is that something we need? Say yes. Absolutely. Encourage one another. Now dear hearts today our next title is God turned dirt into significance. I told you yesterday, just a little bit, that my mother gave birth to four boys. I was the baby. And I wish I had time to tell you how I first met my father. I was about seven years of age when I heard his voice. I remember it was a Sunday morning, quite early in Jamaica. I heard his voice calling me. He asked if that was me, and I answered, and he said, at the back. Now, up to this point, I'd never met him. And I waited. He never showed up. 
And it was not until I was way in the 30s, my family went to Jamaica, very interesting story. And uh, while we're in Jamaica, my kids said, I want to meet my grandfather. And we went on a hunt, we went on a search. And that's another story, how I found him. But I never had a man in my life to call Papa, Daddy. Actually, as I got older, I didn't even miss it. I didn't know what it meant. Until, as a teenager, I met a gentleman. He was a businessman. His name was Scotty. And he invited me into his life. He owned a service station, a grocery store, a restaurant, big businessman. He taught me his business, and he called me son. I didn't have the courage to call him daddy, but I knew he was. I can distinctly recall while we had several er, employees in the store, whenever time his favorite guest came to the store, he would call him me. Because he wanted to show off to someone. And I had such joy in being paraded because I never had a daddy to do that for me. And uh, when, when Scotty felt so good, my name is Ewart, of course, and uh, he would call me Yui, Mas Yu, Mas Yu, Mas Yu, Mas Yu, he would say. And I would just run, and I felt so loved, I felt so special, because I've never had that feeling, ever. Well, the story goes on, but what I want to tell you is when I met my wife, Linda, we met in Canada, and um, I need to take a break, get off this emotional trailer for a bit, tell you a little story about her. When I met her, she was a nurse, leader, charge nurse, and uh, I was just employed in this hospital. She was nice. She was very nice. But she was my boss. She would boss me around. But she was still nice. And we were just good friends. And if you ever have a chance to talk to her during a camp meeting, ask her to tell you the romance that she and I had over a dead body. It's quite a story she loves to tell. I don't really like it because it's embarrassing. <laughs> but when she and I met and uh, we, we got married, our second child was a boy. We named him Yuan. And this was my privilege to call him Matthew. So those days when I loved my son more than anything else or anyone else, 
would call, Matthew. And it took me back to the days when I never had a father. But I found someone and someone found me and someone made me special. And here's the word, someone made me significant. You know what is funny? There is no person in my entire history of whom I have dreamt as frequently as Dennis Scott. It's as if I dreamt of him just about every week, once a week. In fact, not last night, but the night before, I dreamt of him. Has to be because the time when I needed him most, he was there. He gave me a sense of value. He made me special. You know what is rather interesting is that if he were here today to look at me, he would smile and he would say, you know what? He's a part of me. I am who I am because of Scotty. My wife is from the Philippines. We have not said too much about that. So we traveled to the Philippines to visit her family and do other things. And when we arrived in a city named General Santos, the most southern end of the Philippines. Now the, the airports there are not quite like ours where the plane pulls right up to the building just have that little, whatever you call it, that you walk in. Here in the Philippines, the plane seems as if it's a mile out, distant. So you have to walk that long distance to the building. So there was a line of us, and we're all walking out. And I looked to my right, and there was a fence. And by the fence, I noted that there were some people. The people who were there had flowers. And they had a sign that said, Welcome, Pastor Brown. And I broke line and just walked over to the fence to meet these people, all Filipinas, gathered with flowers and something like a lay. You guys know what a lay is, right? Good. Any of you ever been to Hawaii? Several of you, good. So, had a nice, beautiful bouquet around my neck, and they were singing. Let me ask you something. How do you think I felt? Totally special. Absolutely, no? Totally special. No wonder that I still remember that so very vividly. Now in Oregon, Pastor Blake talked about Oregon. Yes, we worked together, him and his wife, Alfara, and us. And one of our schools back there, Portland Adventist Elementary School, several of the kids from my church were members of that school. And so I would visit there once a month 
upon visiting that school, I would go to the main desk and say, would you please announce that all the kids from the Lentz Church meet in such a room with Pastor Brown? And all the kids would come, and I would have supplied them with ice cream and cookies and curds. Did that every month. A few years ago, just a very few years ago, I met one of those students. Her name is Carmen. And Carmen reminded me of the days when I came to Portland Adventist and the announcement was made and whatever they were doing, wherever they were, they all had the privilege to leave and meet in a room with their pastor. And she said this to me, Pastor Brown, I felt so special. journey with me again. Do you recall who it was? Who was it that did something for you or said something to you that made you feel significant? You don't need to shout it, but I just wanted to think about it. Who was it that made you feel significant or special? Well, another question, and this one is more down to earth. When you go to church next Sabbath, is there anybody in your church who's going to greet you and make you feel special? When you show up for church next week or the week after, is there anyone who would have portrayed that I've missed you? My life has been empty since you were gone, and I'm glad you're back. Now, what should that laughter suggest to me? Are you saying, keep dreaming? And so when you return to your church, if nobody met you in the foyer, when you went to church and you slipped in and you took your seat, is there anybody who walks from the church from the side or the back and recognize your hair or your head and runs up to you and give you a surprise hug and says, I'm good to see you. I missed you so much. If not, why not? If not, why? The relational definition for the word significance, and that is the word for today, the relational definition for that is this. The feeling of being valuable, appreciated on cloud nine for the moment, even one moment, even one moment. We don't have to have that experience every day. 
but even one moment in your life, in our lives. This is the relational definition for significance. Or just feeling special. Significance means simply just feeling special. Tell you something about mankind. As we build our case, because we're builders. Now, according to Genesis, you will see this statement, man was formed from dust. And I've columnized that for you to mean dirt. Man was formed from dirt. Genesis 3 says, you are dust, which basically says, you're brown, you're dirt. But how do you ask this question? Look at me. Come on. Look at me, everybody. Am I dirt? Say, no way. Come on. Let me ask you one more time. Look at me. Am I dirt? Be careful. <laughs> we will become dirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like when you do that. Now, thank you for telling me that I'm not dirt. And here is here's what's going to help to 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 val val validate your observation. Child guidance says, man is very dear to God. That's me, and that's you. Testimonies Volume 4 says, God has placed a high value upon the human family. Is that us? Good. Not quite finished yet. The book Education says this, higher than the highest human thought can reach is God's ideal for his children. Is that you? So help me now. Are you dirt? Ah. What's dirt? How about this one? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him, for those dirt. True? No. Not dirt for you and for me. So having read statements about dirt and dust and the statements about who we really are, I just want to ask you one more time, honestly, are we dirt? Say no. Not at all. Would you say that we are special to God? Would you say that we are significant to God? God turned dirt into significance. That's what he did for me. That's what he did for you. Amen? Significance. Significance is like a wind. It's like a stimulant. It's like an energy bar that gives power to us so we can lift, so that we can soar. Would you please, as my teacher would have said many, many years ago, put on your thinking cap. And look at this statement. Now, I coined this, so if you do not agree, talk to me. 
but I hope you will like it. Significance is essential to one's existence as oxygen is to the body and to the brain. Amen. Come on, guys. Come with me for a moment. Do you think this statement has some value? Significance is essential to our everyday living, even in our church, as oxygen is important to the body and to the brain. Do you believe that? That's why we're talking about that today. I'm very happy that you are not the questioning negative mind that I've encountered elsewhere. Minds that would have said, Ewart Brown, this is not relative because all that is important is to know that God loves you. I've heard that often. Not all the time, but ever so often somebody will say, no, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what ever anyone else thinks. What really matters is just the fact that God loves you. Isn't it? It is. Um, all right, I was going to share with you something, but I'll hold it. So... What we're saying here, isn't it enough to know that God thinks well of us? And I'm going to suggest to you that the answer is no. But let me tell you what God thinks of us. Let's read it. So then, friends, are we significant to God? Thank you for that. How about this? I have loved you how much? So are we significant to God? Thank you. Now, I have all of the scriptures in the Bible that I've looked at, from that, I have put this together. And here is the words of God to you. I love you. I am excited about you. I am crazy about you. I am passionate about you. I gave everything for you. Is this true? So isn't it enough? Be careful how you answer now. Isn't it enough? All these. Isn't it enough that God thinks all this about you? Say no. Come on. No. Thank you. One more time. Isn't it enough? Isn't it enough that God thinks all these about you? Say no. Some of you are still doubtful Thomases. I will explain that. So that's okay. We love Thomases. I am significant to God. So are you. I have no doubt in my mind. God loves me. And I'm very special to God. Very significant to God. I have no doubt in my mind. But here is my next question. Am I significant to you? See? 
I've had some friends who say that God is everything. And I said, you're a crap nut. You're wrong. God is everything in one sense. But you know what? If God was everything, I would be in heaven with God. But look where God has left me with you. <laughs> so that means that you are responsible for me. And I am responsible for you. We are a family. We're a community. We are one another's keepers. I am significant to God, but the real question back at home is your church. Is there anybody in your church to whom you are significant? Is there anybody in your church to whom you're valuable? Is there anybody in your church who gets so excited when they see you because you're a family at my church. They are four boys. And I have been my church pastors for 10 years, retired 11 years, and we're still there. I told you yesterday when I had thought of leaving that and move on to somewhere else, but I want to tell you a truism today. We would love to relocate, find another church for a change. One of the reasons that I can't go is because there are four little boys in that church that love me to death. And... Uh, the parents tell me, these little boys are, Len, maybe 8 to 13, 14, little kids. The parents tell me that there are some Sabbath mornings, as little boys do, they resist and fight and slow. And all they have to say is, we're going to see Pastor Brown. And all of a sudden, all the dynamics change. And I'm told by the parents that when they go around the corner, they look for Pastor Brown's car. I drive a red Mini Cooper. Sometimes I would like to park it at the back, but I don't want to disappoint them. So I park it up front. So as soon as they come around the corner, they can see me. I'm here today. I told them, and I told the parents, every time we're out of town, I tell, call the parents and say, the Browns are away. I would really, I'm going to give you this in my heart, I would really like to leave a church. But those little boys love me so much. And I love them so much. I can't leave because of them. Is there anybody at your church who feels that way about you? See, that's my question. We're talking about significance. How 
you have impacted and all of us have impacted you and the relationship that exists between you and your church family. Is there anybody in your church who feels that way about you? If not, why not? No. Answer. Or significant. Got it. Got it. I can see why he's a good children's storyteller. <laughs> see, God has made me significant. But here is the question Would you make me significant? Now, when I say me, I'm representing the members in your church. And my question, and I'm asking it early, when you go home to your church next week, what difference, what difference are you going to make? Who are you going to treat differently? Who are you going to make me? Like that person is worth everything in the world. God has done that for us. Can we share that? on his behalf. Why is it important to talk about the subject of significance? Because I have discovered that when we put in place significance, we're actually installing wings for people to fly, for people to soar. Because we have discovered that we really cannot stop people who are feeling good. They will go any distance. They will do anything. They will do everything because they're feeling good. Because we have made them to feel significant. We have made them to feel good. I have discovered that significance will save a life. Not only does it save a life, but it will also give a life. And let me just talk a little bit about us as Christians, the people in the church. Significance and the Christian church family. This is what we're going to look at. I have discovered in my lifetime, just working with people, that when we feel significant, when Ewart Brown feels good and feels valuable, and feel significant, notice my behavior. I begin to think of significance. Not only do I think it, but look what I do. I behave the way I think. Not only do I behave the way I think, but it is easier for me to attribute value to you. Because usually, what we give is who we are. What we are is what we give away. So if I am feeling significant, it is easier for me to not only behave it, 
but to see the good significance in you. It is a serious dissonance when I feel this feel significant and have to work with you who might be insignificant. S dissonance is playing on a keyboard totally out of harmony. If I am feeling significant and I have to associate with you who is considered insignificant, it's like playing on, it's like I was about to say a blind playing on the piano. But you know what? There's some blind people who play very well, don't they? So I can't say that. Maybe I should say it's like a cow playing the piano. Is that better? Or, or an elephant playing the piano. Good. So keep this in mind. It is a theory that if you make me feel significant, I will behave that way. And not only will I behave that way, but I will see that in other people. And you know what that will cause me to be? To become a positive person rather than negative. Now, I am going to ask you to come with me to a troublesome spot in our church, which is troublesome spot. The thing that troubles me, honestly, troubles me. Is that there have been many who have known, who have died in my churches. And they've never, ever felt significant. I never made them feel significant. And because they never felt significant, they never gave significance to anybody. What has troubled me, dear hearts, is this. I have known of people who have died whom I have never made to feel significant. And they died. And they never gave significance to anyone. It's too late. I'm going to tell you about Kathy. When my wife and I showed up at church, this new church, new pastor in town, I was told by the outgoing pastor, take care of Kathy. Kathy is one of those members who, and I don't know if you have any in your church, but she's one of those members who sits alone. She carries a particular aroma, and you would like to buy her something. And yet she likes to be close to people. So the closer she comes to people, the saints go farther. Was I one of those? Was I ever one of those? She was a challenge. You don't have anybody like that in your church. But she was a challenge to minister to. Then she became ill. We had missed her. One day I received a text, a telephone call that said that Kathy is 
the nursing home. Kathy's going to die. So I hurried over. Brought a little flower. Walked into her room. To the nursing home. In that room was a little bed. A little bedside table. wasn't able to talk to me, only to her. Kathy died shortly after. Still bothers me because I asked myself the question. Of all the years you've known Kathy, did you ever make her feel significant? Nobody else did. But why didn't you, Pastor Brown? Oh, why didn't you, Hubert Brown? And so she died. She slipped out of my hands. And the thing that hurt me still is that that gal died in a church of 900 plus members and never felt significant. Died in a room, one little bed, one bedside table, not a card, one little mega mega plant flower that I brought her. And there was no line of visitors going in nor out of her room. In a church of Christian family, nearly 900 strong. What happened there? What happened, church family? that will never happen again. I hope that never happens in your church. For anyone, for God to have placed anyone in your church and that person walks out of the life of that church not feeling fully valuable and significant. May there not be another Kathy in your church. Please, please. You go back home next week. Look to see if there are any Cathas or Wayne. And I can go down the list. The truth about life, about humanity in general, is that we were created for significance. God created us with a built-in desire to feel appreciated, to be important, and to be valuable to the community around us. We have a built-in desire, notice this one, to feel important by even one person. Brother, it is true that not all of us can love everybody, but one body is better than nobody. Every time. One body. So I'm not sure what you're going to do when you get home. 
But I'd like you to take this thought with you. That it doesn't matter how much you love the writings of Ellen G. White, and it doesn't matter how much we love the Bible, and it doesn't matter how much tithes and offering we pay, it doesn't matter how much we love the religious routine, every one of us has inside of us the desire to feel valuable and significant. Amen? Every one of us. And you know what I found interesting? Even those who say they don't, they lie. all there's something within us that cries out for that nobody in your church want to be left out nobody wants to sit alone in the pew back in your church promise yourself God promise me you want to watch out for the individual who sits by him or herself maybe at the same place every time watch out for the loners Nobody wants to sit alone. Nobody wants to be left out. Nobody really wants to be treated as second class. I was in a Sabbath school class one morning, and I'm telling you now about Bev. Bev and I, we were sitting... Bev is an elder of our church, by the way, and I was sitting beside her in the Sabbath school class, and the conversation led to aloneness in church, loneliness in church. By the way, do you guys know what that means, loneliness in church? Do you guys have that back here in the Midwest? No, you don't. This is only a Northwestern phenomenon. So, so... I made some contributions to what it's like to feel lonely at church. The book um, Pastor Ivan spoke about three books. Yes, I wrote three. They're all at ACBC. I have only a copy of two here. The one that I do not have here, which is at ACBC, ABC, ACBC, got it. I'm accustomed to ABC. <laughs> so the one that I do not have here is entitled um, A Quiet Place. Thank you. I'm only 75 years of age. I can forget anytime I want to. You know, go to the wife. <laughs> Thanks, wife, for my backup. A Quiet Place. Now, I wrote this book, and I dear friend of ours got a copy of it. So I asked her to send back to me, of all the things that I wrote in that book, which one meant most to her? I am amazed that not only her, but others have pointed out that the one chapter that means most to her is the one that is entitled Loneliness. You and I would be amazed how many people come to a church and are lonely. Totally lonely and they're good smilers and they shake good strong hands too yeah ah be careful because I'm talking about that tomorrow yeah back at your church 
watch out for lonely people. So in my class, I spoke about loneliness. And uh, after the conversation, the teacher said, let us pray. At that time, I noted that Bev, my friend and elder, was a little stiff. So something moved me as we were praying. I put my arm around her shoulder. As he prayed, I, I, I felt something. And she was stiff and cold. Class was dismissed. She went one way. I went the other way. There was fellowship dinner. At the end of fellowship dinner, when just about everyone else had left, she and I were, she was leaving. I was still there in the kitchen. And she said to me, you guys talk about lonely. If only you knew. This is an elder, by the way, of our church. She said, if only you knew. Every Sabbath I come here, I sit alone and lonely. One of her leaders, one of her elders, I have to come and I sit here. Oh, by the way, please do not mistake this. You could be sitting as close as you are to this man, but lonely. That's right. So when I do talks on loneliness, I remind us as a church that it is just amazing that people come to camp meeting and they leave lonely. And they come to church and they're lonely. And they go home lonely. I really wish you would pick up that book, The Quiet Place. But because it says some things like people, this, that book says, the most scary part of a Sabbath morning is to step out of the car into the church. Now why? Because the moment in the car, there's one dynamics, one set of feeling. Once you step into the church, there are people around you, but it becomes very clear that you're lonely. Become very clear. You do not get that feeling in the car, but when you get to the church, you do. I'm going to share some tangible piece of information with you now about what happens when people have significance or not significance. So, let's travel together like a group of academias. When a person feel, does not feel, when a person does not feel valuable, feel a part of, your church family, doesn't feel close to anybody in the church. There are certain behaviors that you can expect. And I'm just going to narrate a few. There are many more, but here they are. Start with this one. Number one, self-esteem. Another behavior that manifests itself when a person does not feel significant is overcompensation. 
In other words, they have to get your attention. Another behavior you can expect is negativism. Neg negativism is another way of overcompensating because what they're really trying to do is to provoke you to get your attention. Again, it's another attention getter. Not only is it an attention getter, but it's just a state of the mind at its lowest base. Low base mind cannot be optimistic nor positive, so it comes out negative. Person does not feel significant. Another behavior is undistinguished problems. Such a person is just a problem, period. Non-classified. Not quite finished yet. When a person does not feel significant, you will notice that they begin to withdraw. They would withdraw from activities. They will even will withdraw from the church. Well, there is skepticism also, and believe it or not, when a person in your church does not feel significant and nothing is done about it, they are slowly dying emotionally. They will lose all sense of value, all worth. I have never heard of any Seventh-day Adventist who has committed physical suicide. But I want to aware you, many have slowly died emotionally. Where there is the absence of significance. And when all of those are evident, in the sense that the people are dealing with these behaviors, then it leads into something more medically prevalent known as depression. Physical or mental illness. It is rather interesting that the, the sciences are now proving, as I said yesterday, that many of our physical manifestations start up here. It's how we are feeling, where we are deprived of certain mental sustenance or s mental values. They manifest themselves in the body. Mental, physical illness. And in some cases, suicide. So we don't want that. That can't happen in our church anymore. As of today, as of this week, things will be different for you. Then let me run over some things. These are the more positive side. When a church member feels significant, here are some behaviors that you can expect. They're self-motivated. They will come to you as leadership and say, what can I do? They are dreamers. They are achievers. They are sociable. They will show up for parties. They are kind because they are fulfilled. See? They feel significance. They are fulfilled. They are kind. They are courteous. They are delightful. They are a great company to be with. And I'm not quite done. They are calm, confident. They love church. And they are kind, nice. 
when a church member feels significant, all these behaviors and more we can expect. And then I'd like to conclude that section with saying they are ready to soar. So I'm going to take you for the next few moments into what you can do when you get back to your church or churches, what you can do to build significance, to help people to be able to fulfill all of those things we talk about. I'm just going to run through these rather quickly. There are, first of all, I'm going to tell what they're called. They're called, I create this, is call it the flower pot of significant starters. So there are seven significant starters, and I think I have them all mentioned for you there in a box on your study guide. So you can, they're there, you can add all the notes to that. All right, here they are. The first significant starter to cause a person to feel significant is as simple as this. By the way, do you guys have dollar store around here? Good. Simple thing to do is give a church member a gift. And you don't have to go to Nordstrom and pay $78.99 for it. <laughs> you just go to Dollar Store for how much? $1. And if you don't have a dollar, come and see me. Um, I have one here ready for you. Go on home, buy a gift for a church member. The Holy Spirit will guide you to who needs it. Or a card. Well, whatever gift you're going to give, you want to make sure you know what that person wants. In other words, if you are going, if when I'm going to Jamaica next year and you're going to give me a gift don't give me a pair of snow boots, <laughs> nor snow gloves. So you need to know what type of gifts are appropriate if you're going to give a church member a gift. My wife knows my gift language, and tomorrow when you come, guess what, guess what type of shirt I'm wearing tomorrow? Can you guess? No, not the one in the picture, but a Hawaiian shirt. It's already picked out. It's my absolute favorite. So you better come and see my Hawaiian shirt tomorrow, okay? But my wife went to Hawaii with her workmates. I was not there. And she knew what I like. So she knew what to, make, to do to her husband to make him feel significant. And so she bought me a Hawaiian shirt. It's not that exact one. Is it this exact one? No. Is it this one? <laughs> Why would you got to talk to me later. <laughs> so, to make someone significant, a gift or a card will do. All right. The second thing you can do in your church is what I call work your church members' strengths. That simply means keep in mind every individual in your church has a gift. Amen? We just have to take time to find it whether it be a teacher, writer, artist, or somebody who can do something, but you should work with a nominating committee and everybody. Make sure every person
person is doing something. The secret here is to go to someone and say, I know that you do this well. I know that you do this well. Will you do this for your church? All of a sudden, that person stands back, has a sense of pride, sense of value. So you work a person's strength. Another thing you can do to make a person feel significant is to surprise them. Do something surprising because you know what? Surprises are remembered, cherished and remembered. And uh, I sometimes tell the story. I'm, not, I'm going to give the, the shortened version of it. My first excited, done once and never since activity that I did for my wife to show her how significant she was, was to make her a sandwich. She was, in, she was in, on, on night duty at the hospital, and I wanted to do something special for her, so I decided to make her a sandwich. So I got my bread, and I got my meat loaf, whatever that was. I don't even know what it was. And I... I got those three ingredients. I think I put a little butter on the bread, and then I got my meat sliced, and then I got a piece of um, sarin wrap. No, not sarin wrap. Foil. Got a piece of foil, and I slipped the meat inside the foil, wrapped the meat very well, and slipped the foil inside the sandwich. <laughs> That's love. So... So she went to work very proud. Her husband knows she wants to make her significant. I guess she wanted to show off her friends this nice sandwich that her husband made for her. And she can tell you the rest of the story later. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when she tells it, it was not pretty when she bit into that sandwich. It, it, it just didn't taste the same. No, but what was love? Right? It was significance. It was a surprise. And she will tell you to this day she still remembers it. So if you want your spouse or somebody to remember something, give them a sandwich with foil in the middle. Uh-oh, she's going to say something. Go ahead, dear. Oh, a love note inside. See, wasn't that special? See? That's right. There was a love note inside the foil. See, thank you for... Is that romantic? <laughs> totally. <laughs> so you want a surprise. If you want to build some, some significance there, build some surprises. Something special. Be creative. Wasn't that being creative, though? Well, absolutely. Be creative, because that will be remembered. Another thing you can do to, to show somebody that he or she is significant, is what I call make a mountain. Now, to explain that is this. Make the little big. To illustrate, someone comes to you and said, I bought a cat. Usually our normal response is, I bought an elephant. I don't care. So let's go back. I bought a cat. Here's my response. Really? Yes. What color is it? 
purple. How many legs does it have? Seven. Does it have a name? Yes. Roll on. Well, do you have a cage for it? Yes. Where is the cage? It's in my bedroom. Well, what does it eat? Vegetarian meat. It's all about the cat. It's all about the cat. That is showing someone that you and what you do are important. Take the little thing and make a big thing out of it. That is significant starter number four. Take a little thing and stay with it. Build it. Make it big. Make a mountain out of it. All right. Number five. Give attention. At church. Go and sit beside somebody, please. Even if you have to leave shortly because you have all the things to do, but explain why you have to leave. Go over and sit to, with someone. Go over and talk with someone. Go over and work where it's possible beside someone. Just don't let someone do it alone. Talk about loneliness. Have a conversation. Conversations mean talk to me about me. In the Northwest, and the Blakes will tell you this, in the Northwest, there's one thing all of us religiously talk about is the weather. Because it rains a lot there. And when there's one bright day, we have nothing else to talk about but the rain and the sunshine. That does not make we feel significant. Talk about me. Talk about my trip to the Carolinas. How many friends did I meet? What did they feed you with? How was your flight? Talk about me. And then, this is what I really want you to say. Whatever you will talk about, make sure it contributes to my growth and to my personal building. Talk with depth. You are very valuable, Ewart Brown, to your church. I've got to tell you guys a secret. This is very touching. It happened just a little over an hour ago. One of your pastors here. Are you from Fletcher? Pastor Blake, Fletcher Church? Yes, the Blakes are from Fletcher. Yes, we crossed paths, as you said, back in Oregon many, many years ago. But we never met again until we showed up here on Sunday. And my wife and I came in here a little early today. Pastor Blake walked up. Stood right here, but I'm here. And he said some of the most wonderful words that any human being can utter to me about me and the times that I spent here. Pastor, I will cherish that forever. In fact, I thought I was six feet tall. Now I'm 11 feet because of what you just said to me. I want perfectly. Thank you for that. I feel now so much more valuable with what I do with you because of what you told me earlier. Talk to me about me. I am tired back in the Northwest of talking about the weather. Doesn't do anything. Church members, weather doesn't do anything to them either. But tell them about them. Talk about their children. Talk about their lives, their personal growth. 
Tell them how valuable they are. Number seven. Number six, still talking about conversations. I like this one because I went in to talk to the fire chief about doing a seminar for him. And he began to talk to me about some personal things happening in the fire department. And after he created the circumstances and the scenario for me, the fire chief said to me, Ewart, do you have some ideas? And I'm saying to myself, here's a little boy. Here's the fire chief. And he's asking for my opinion. Not only did he ask me for my opinion, but he took out his notepad and he was ready to write. Go ahead and speak, Ewart, and I will write. I left this guy's office feeling 10 feet taller than I'd gone there. That's value. That's significance. So have conversations that have depth. And then number seven, have hard talks. You will notice that if you think back of people whom you have met and who have been a part of your life, the conversations that you will remember are those that had touched your heart, right? They had substance. They had depth. So as you're trying to talk to me to build significance, talk about the things that are deep and maybe personal. I want to tell you what is happening to me is an illustration, something that will connect our heart to heart. So there are the seven significant starters, a gift, use a strength, surprise, make a mountain, give attention, have conversations, and have heart talks. And all of this is building on this one thing, being kind, nice. Now, I'm moving towards conclusion here, and I'm going to tell you a little story about Marley. Now, Marley is a dog. Marley and its owner, owners had just moved in next door to us. Our homes are separated by cyclone fence. Marley is a vicious dog. He's like a wolf. When he barks, you feel like running. And that's what she does to us. One day, Marley's owner, Clint, said to me, why, you know, he, he walked over and he gave me some biscuits and said, why don't you give Marley some biscuits? So I took a handful of biscuits and next time I was out there and Marley's carrying on, I went up by the fence and I reached out, gave Marley a biscuit. She slowly, cautiously came and took the, took the biscuit. Oh, one more. Expedite. The other day, Kent, the owner, said to me, we get the impression that Marley cares for you and your wife more than for us, the owners. Dear hearts, it really touches my heart. It's amazing that a dog could do that. But it's not the dog, it's the message. When my wife and I are outdoors in our yard working, in the rain, and we do that, and when it's cold, Marley comes by the fence and she sits there for hours. She could have gone back into her house 
where it's warm. Or she could go by where her parents are building a fire. Marley comes right by the fence where Lynn is, where I am, for hours, and she sits there. And every movement we make, she follows us. Marley. Now, why has Marley become our friends? Because she got a treat. So, here's my question. Rhonda comes to your church and stays in your church. Why? Because she loves Jesus. She loves the church. She gets treats. She gets recognized. She gets attention. But because she feels valuable. She gets significance at your church. So as I wind up, this afternoon, my question and challenge to you, please, 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 when you go back home to your church, will you consider making somebody significant? Could there be a Marley in your church just to love, just to reach out, just a conversation? Just a little attention. Just stay with. Just a few more days longer. I know you can't change your church. What about just one person? Just one. Just one. I'm giving you a new picture here. Call it kiss. From now on, you wives, every time your husband kisses you, or you husbands, every time your wives kiss you, or ever to ever picture you watching television where there's a kiss, or every time you see a kid kisses another kid, I would like you to think of these three words. I had to put them so that they read kiss because I wanted to remember. But what it means is this, from now on, back in your church, you're going to be very intentional to be kind, nice, as a way of making somebody feel significance. I would like you to promise God and yourself, when you get back to your church, you will practice kissing. Kissing means be very intentional in being kind, nice, as a way of making a church member feel significance. Will there be any stars, any stars in my crown? When an evening the sun goes down When I wait for the bliss In the mansion of rest Will there be any stars in my crown? Who, who will be in heaven? Because you, the 
reached out and made someone feel significant. Whose life will change that in your church? Because you made someone feel significant. I'm going to do say just one more thing tonight as you dismiss. I, I wanted to see something on the screen, so I'm advancing to it. I'm almost there. Patient, guys. You have done so well so far. Okay, forget it. It's not doing it. So here it is. I know what I wanted to say. Before I pray, I'd like you to, in this room, <laughs> back on the campgrounds, back in your church, hug someone and say, When you plan to do that starting in this room, don't forget me, because I want one too. So Lord, hug us, hold us, equip us, remind us, make a difference using us. To you, now we give ourselves totally, totally. And if there is resistance, hesitancy, melt us, please, and make us willing. God, thank you for what you're going to do through us starting today in Jesus' name. Lord bless you, Lord bless you.